Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. I grew up like most kids, worried I couldn't bench two plates, that I wouldn't fit in, that I wouldn't find love. Then I discovered partying, and suddenly all those worries went to the wayside. I didn't need love. I had keg stands. I discovered I was great at raging, and it revealed wonderful things about myself. I could relate to bros, regardless of what kind of bro they were. I could be at a party and moon people, and everyone would laugh, you know, be witty. Or, I could play beer pong and compete with real integrity. In short, I fulfilled my potential. The Nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. Taking you into the weekend, Memorial Day weekend, 7 o'clock on a Friday. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi here on WGR. Full show for you tonight. Troy Aikman is back in the news. My boy, my best friend, the man who made me famous in one way or another. Social media famous, at least. Um, Talk a lot about that tonight. (laughs) <laughs> I, I just, I have to, I have to go in on it. I'm the guy that comes out this morning. I wake up to Donovan McNabb making comments about Troy Aikman and his hall of fame status. And he came right out and said it. Uh, if you think back to my tweet back in the fall, I implied it. I put quote marks around hall of famer when I had that tweet about Troy Aikman and Ryan Fitzpatrick McNabb today. He just comes right out and says, I should be in the hall of fame. He shouldn't be. And I gotta be honest, like I, I I applaud him for coming right out and saying it because I, I have my my issues with how the Hall of Fame is run and how Hall of Fames are run in general around the around sports. It has become just a complete money grab, and popularity gets you in, and being a part of great teams rather than you know it's supposed to be an individual accolade, and that's not what it's become. We'll 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 talk a lot more about that. Uh, as we progress here. But it is Memorial Day weekend. I think we can say it is now 7 o'clock Friday. It's Memorial Day weekend. You probably could have said that yesterday at 7 o'clock. A lot of people had off today. And I've come around on this holiday being the best holiday. It was always right up there. Second, third, fourth, right around there. Um, but now that I've reached the age I'm at and starting to explore into more beers and more creative stuff like that, um, fishing and golf and just like a lot of summer outdoor activities and Memorial Day is not just take the day, do it all, do whatever you want. And it's like, the, it's, it really is your entry point into summer. And especially here, because I'm, I'm hoping this is going to be like the turn for the weather and your turn into summer. Because we've basically had a really long spring after a really long winter. I bought new irons. And I'm a big golfer. Not a good golfer, but I'm a big golfer. A couple weeks ago. Three weeks ago, maybe. Bought new irons. Yet to use them. Yet to use them. 
and Memorial Day is like, all right, summer, let's go. This is when I'm really going to start to get out on the course as much as possible. Um, and the food, that came up a lot today on the afternoon show. I'm all in on that. I got to do it. I got. If In case you don't follow me on Twitter, and you can, by the way, at SneakyJoeWGR, top 10 Memorial Day food items. And this is basically a summer barbecue ranking. Roto World actually started this. So Roto World, the uh, very popular fantasy site on Twitter. They have their own website. It's run by NBC. They do tons of rankings on baseball and football and hockey, all the fantasy leagues, any sport that you play. And they sent out a tweet today wishing everyone a safe Memorial Day weekend. Rank these 10 barbecue foods for Memorial Day. Power rank them. And, of course, me, someone who in the past has ranked dips and candies and chips, many of sort, I've ranked. I had to take advantage. So, my, according to me, Joe DiBiase, my top 10 Memorial Day food items. Number 10, hot dogs. You know, hot dogs are great. American classic. You go to a baseball game, what do you get? You get a ballpark hot dog. But, you know, Memorial Day, you're doing stuff. You, there's more There's more out there. There should be more on that table for what you can get. Hot dog, a little too basic for my taste to put it any higher than 10th. And plus longevity, that's a point. You overcook it, or anything. You don't have to overcook it. However you cook the hot dog. There's a, there's a short window there when you can really eat that and really enjoy it at its fullest. Deteriorates quickly. So I'm putting the hot dog... Excuse me, I'm putting the hot dog 10th. Number 9, potato salad. Not a big fan of potato salad. I like it okay. I actually like macaroni salad almost as much as I like potato potato salad. That might be a hot take. I'm not even sure. Um, that, that's definitely a poll for tonight. Potato salad or macaroni salad. I got potato salad ninth. The mustard potato salad from Tops. Mike Show mentioned it earlier here on the afternoon show. Terrific. So it's good, but I'm putting it in ninth for the time being. Number eight, burgers. Classic. Definitely higher to me than hot dogs. You can get more creative with it. You can put cheese on a burger a lot easier. You can put cheese on a hot dog. And if I'm getting cheese, it's automatically better. So I'm putting the burger eighth. Number seven, chicken. Grilled barbecue chicken. Oh, delicious. Now, I'm putting it seventh because it's a little too basic for my taste. You get chicken, you can get chicken whenever you want. In fact, you eat that a lot more than a lot of the meats that I have higher up on this list. Chicken seventh. Number six, baked beans. Delicious. I eat baked beans quite often. I think they're good. Just beans and barbecue sauce, essentially. It's different than barbecue sauce. I don't know what you would term it as. Maybe it is barbecue sauce. I don't know what it's sitting in, but throw some brown sugar in there once in a while. If uh, someone you know is like a really good cook, maybe they'll layer some bacon over the top, throw it in the oven. Oh, super good. And generally, you get that kind of stuff, like that special recipe, baked beans on, a, on Memorial Day. So it's probably it's my number two side dish. For Memorial Day, and it's my number six food. Number five, ribs. How can you go wrong with ribs? This might be low. 
I think a lot of people would have him higher, but I got ribs at number five. Right off the bone. Delicious. Number four, sausages. Polish, Italian, whatever you want. They're all good. Throw some sauerkraut on them. Onions and peppers. Can't go wrong. And they last longer than hot dogs. You have a sausage sit sausage sitting out for 15, 20 minutes. Still still not bad. But you can't do that with a hot dog. You got a hot dog sitting out for 20 minutes. Don't even try it. Number three, brisket. Don't get it that often. But Memorial Day is one of those times. Brisket's delicious. I'm putting that number three. Number two, corn on the cob. You can get creative with it if you want. There is one recipe I've had before where it's like Cajun seasoning and something else. Like a special like corn on the cob recipe, like a rub. You almost uh, you put it in. Um, love corn on the cob, especially when it's grilled a little bit. Delicious. And number one, pulled pork. Super good. And you can eat that whenever. Usually it's in a crock pot sitting there soaking in the barbecue sauce. Delicious. You could throw a little on your sandwich if you want, if you want just a little bit. Or you could put a ton on there. You could pile it up. You get that, uh, you can, you basically get to pick how much you're going to have of it. So I like that part of it too. Just delicious. Succulent. Pulled pork. And that's my top ten. I had to do it. Roto World. They... Dangled it out in front of me, and I had to bite. So there it is, my top 10 barbecue summer foods. Um, I'm going to take a timeout here, and we're going to come back. More. We'll get into the Troy Aikman stuff a little bit later in the show. I don't want to spend too much time on that, even though I know a lot of people are probably looking to hear what I have to say on that. We'll do that in a little bit. Um, I want to get into some hockey, though, next, because there was some news, just a little bit of news, on the Jeff Skinner front. And it's been really dry on Jeff Skinner and what's going on with the contract negotiations and the Sabres. Basically, all we've had to go on of late is that Jason Bottrell on Friday, with Howard and Jeremy last Friday, a week ago today, sounded pretty optimistic and didn't sound like a guy who didn't think it wasn't going to get done. Um, and today, we've got Darren Dreger, TSN, Sat down in Slovakia at the World Championships. Kruger's in Slovakia. Dreger's in Slovakia. They sat down. They had a chat for about 10 minutes. And, well, these 10 minutes that made the air. Um, or was posted online. And in that 10 minutes, Ralph Kruger does say that he and the team are going to talk with Jeff Skinner in the next few days. So whether something gets done in the next few days is definitely completely up in the air. But that's some progress. Like, maybe... There's a chance that even over the weekend or early next week, we could have something, even if it's a report of how the talks went, or if it's a report of what Skinner's looking for, what the Sabres are trying to get him at, anything of the sort. It sounds like, because of what Kruger said today, there is potential that we might have some sort of news on the Jeff Skinner front in the next few days, and uh, that could that would definitely be nice. Because we really haven't had anything, and it's hard to get any sort of sense uh, whether he is going to be a Buffalo Sabre next year because there just hasn't been that much on it. It's been hard to kind of gauge whether it's going to happen or not. We'll get a lot more into that when we come back. We'll also play back Darren Dreger uh, from earlier today on the station as we progress. And, of course, some talk on Troy Aikman, the Hall of Fame, and uh, the comments made by Donovan McNabb today on uh, Troy Aikman, who you know I once had a spat with on Twitter. Spat is the right word? If there's no, it's not really, a, it wasn't a back and forth because it was me tweeting something that was factually true, by the way. And then Troy Aikman 
making a comment, a, sli- a snide comment, but one comment, and then that was it between me and him, and then the rest of the football world seemed to blow up from it. So I, I think spat is the good word. I don't think you need more than a couple comments for it to be a spat. So we'll go with that. Uh, it's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi, 803-0550 if you want to get in on Skinner and uh, what your thoughts are on him at this point and whether you think it's likely or whether you think it's an idea that they really should go all in for because that's been another thing of debate. Do you want to go all in for him? If he wants $9 million, are you going all the way there? Are they that desperate for him? Should they be that desperate for him? Let me know what you think. 803-0550 is the phone number. You hit me up on the text line, 550-550, or on Twitter, at SneakyJoeWGR. As I said, we'll play Darren Dreger back as we go along here. On the nightcap, Jody Biasi on WGR. our goal and let's be honest we still have some building to do there's free agency ahead we have some conversations even within players we still have in free agency so let's bring the lineup together I need to get to know the others better it's uh, I have a few months here to really get up to speed on our competition but I certainly believe we can be in the mix here very quickly and this season needs to be one where the people feel us moving towards being a contender Ralph Kruger he's a good listen if you want to check that interview out with Darren Dreger of TSN, uh, go to our go to our Twitter page at WGR550. You can find it there. Um, talked a lot about Skinner, a lot about expectations this year, free agency, what he wants to see, his philosophies. Um, it's all good stuff. He's a good listen. I like that he's the coach in part because of that. Not, not that's not the whole reason. Of course, the reason I want him to be the say wanted him to be the Saber head coach is because he was different, and I thought his ability to communicate with players and plus his style uh, coming from Europe in some aspects, like it all made sense to me. But it's kind of a little bonus on top that he's a good listen, and uh, you can check that out. Go to our Twitter at WGR550. So Skinner's name's come up again, and, well, again, I should say like for the first time in a while. I mean, the guy has been gone through an entire season here, as a UFA, and we've heard almost nothing about what he what he wants, whether that be hitting free agency or term or money or wanting to stay in Buffalo or wanting to go to another specific place. And we're still sitting here, and it's now May 24th, and we're within 40 days of him becoming an unrestricted free agent. And at some point, they're have they're going to have to get to a spot where, and this will probably be about a month from now. When that free agency window opens, I'm going to be very interested to see what they do. Because if we find out, hey, they're talking to Matt Duchesne and these other guys, well then, that's going to make it a little harder for me to believe that you are going to sign Skinner. Because it'll be tight. They can do that, for sure. And I want them to do that. And I want them to find a way to pull that off. And by that, I mean sign Skinner and then make another big addition. But... There'll be some part of me also that thinks, hey, they're talking to Matthew Shane. Ooh. Does Botcherill think the same way I do, that he wants to do Skinner and something else big, or is this his replacement? Or is this what he's doing instead of being able to get Skinner? Um, so that'll be interesting to look at. But uh, 
Kruger today in that interview with Darren Dreger said that they're going to talk to Skinner in the next few days. So it might be interesting to see if there's a chance that with talks happening, coming up, that we might find something out. I'm not banking on that. I don't think Sabre fans should be banking on that because they run a pretty pretty tight ship. They traded for Jeff Skinner, and basically nobody knew it was going to happen. Nobody saw it coming. There was no report that the Sabres were negotiating with Carolina. There wasn't really even a lot of reports that Carolina was shopping him. There were trade rumors, and there had been trade rumors for a while on him, but that kind of came out of the blue and out of left field, I should say. And that happened without us seeing it coming. The coach search basically went almost completely through the whole month it went through. And we learned about Jack Martin and Todd Richards, but maybe those weren't even real because Richards never even got an interview. And at one point he was a leading candidate. And Kruger went for about three, four weeks without being mentioned. And I was one of the few people that mentioned him right at the top. And then he, when it seemed like that they weren't going in that direction because we hadn't heard anything about him, then we kind of forgot about Ralph Kruger and circled back around and they got him. So I don't know if I'd expect anything to come out, but I guess what I'm saying is that there should be some potential that it could happen, that we learn a little bit more about what's happening and what the Sabres expect and what Skinner expects and what we can expect. Um... If we can see number 53 in blue and gold next year. Uh, 803-0550 is the phone number if you want to get in on that. Uh, TSN's Darren Dreger, like I said, did the interview with Ralph Kruger. He was also on with the Instigators earlier today. And if you missed that, here's your chance to hear it. Darren Dreger with the Instigators earlier today right here on WGR. The man joins us on the line right now. Darren Dreger, how are you today? I'm doing well, guys. How are you? Uh, How's business at the cafe going? You know, pretty good. Beautiful day in Bratislava today. It's about uh, 65 degrees Fahrenheit, somewhere around there. And I had the opportunity to sit down with newly minted Buffalo Sabres head coach, Ralph Kruger. So it was a good day in the Dreger Cup. What was your first question? Uh, I don't recall. (laughs) I'd have to think about that. The reason I'm saying that is because... I thought when you sat down with Chris Drury, it was really funny how you tried to make him comfortable by asking him about pizza and restaurant. Yeah. And Drew just did not even crack a smile the whole interview, I think. He just was business. I'm like, of all people, Dregs, you should be the guy that could make somebody smile and feel light in one yeah. of those interviews. But he, he didn't budge. No, he didn't. And I thought he'd want to talk about the Colony Grill, right? Like yeah. He and his partner owned how many of those things? Five or six? Yeah, apparently. Um, and yeah, I haven't been to them, but apparently they are the pizza place to go to. But, uh, nah, he, uh, he's a he's a pretty serious dude in that environment. But we had a good conversation, obviously talking about Team USA and his aspirations of one day being an NHL general manager. But uh, there wasn't a lot of chuckles in that interview. Yeah, he brought the Iceman with him. He was there's there's two different Drews, you know. There's two different yeah. Drews. It, it's it's amazing. Um, how did Ralph Kruger go? Did he give you a little more than Drury? Uh, a little bit more. I mean, you guys uh, have Ralph. In fact, I think uh, the Instigators might have been the first interview that Ralph Kruger did after yep. being hired by the Buffalo Sabers. Uh, he speaks highly of you three guys. I guess he needs to get to know you a little bit better. Um, <laughs> But, uh, no, it was excellent. You know, one thing that you guys probably already learned of Ralph is um, he's fairly transparent. You know, he's, he's not afraid to, to talk about things. He's never going to throw any of his players under the bus. 
uh, in any scenario. But he's he's open to talk about pretty much everything. And uh, you know, in the interview, he talked about a meeting that he had earlier this week with uh, the captain of the Sabres, Jack Eichel. He's going to continue to spend more time with Eichel. And today, I think he was meeting with Sam Reinhardt from Team Canada. So, you know, he's getting to know his players. Um, he talked about how involved he is in communicating with Jeff Skinner as the Buffalo Sabres try and uh, get Skinner, uh, Skinner signed. So, you know, he's, he's open to discuss pretty much everything about goings-on in Buffalo. So it was a good chat. Did he mention, I mean, we'll watch it, obviously, and, and um, you know, we obviously encourage everybody to watch it. Um, did he talk about what the conversation was like with Jack Eichel and what they discussed? Uh, no, he said they talked, obviously, a lot about hockey, uh, the type of coach he is, the style that he'll want uh, the Buffalo Sabres to play. Um, but he said in the interview that he was surprised how deep the conversation got outside of hockey. Um, now, <clears throat> I'm not sure exactly what that means, but uh, he said it was a very enjoyable discussion, and uh, you know, he was looking forward to getting to know Jack a little bit better in the very near future. Darren Dreger joining us here. He's at Darren Dreger on Twitter. Just a reminder for everybody, where are they going to be able to see the, the Kruger? It's on tsn.com? CA. Yeah, yeah, sorry, TSN. sorry, sorry, tsn.ca. Yeah, uh, I mean, if uh, for Canadian listeners, uh, they'll be able to watch a good portion of it tonight on uh, SportsCenter. And I'll tweet out the, the final full version link um, later today. So uh, we'll... We'll pretty much have every platform covered with Ralph Kruger. How many more of those Dragor Cafe will you have? Because now they're down to semifinals and finals. Is yeah. that was that the uh, grand finale? Uh, no, I think I'm hoping to do two more. Um, oh. Bob Nicholson of the Edmonton Oilers is uh, kind of in a holding pattern, uh, mostly because you know his new general manager Ken Holland is trying to hire a coach. So I, I think that Nicholson wants to wait until that coach hire has happened. So we may or may not get to Nicholson. We'll see if uh, something happens between Dave Tippett and uh, the Edmonton Oilers before the end of the World Hockey Championship. And then I'm going to have some fun with Ray Ferraro and uh, Gord Miller so they could be the final installment. Would you ask Mr. Nicholson his uh, honest thoughts on Tobias Ryder, please? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, if, if, if we're able to make that work, obviously I'm going to have to ask him about it. I mean, it was a pretty large misstep uh, by a guy who's uh, been involved in the public circle for quite some time, but uh, we'll have some fun with it if, uh, if he's able to do the interview. Now, the Ottawa Senators hired D.J. Smith as a coach, and obviously yeah. you talked about the Edmonton Oilers looking to possibly hire Dave Tippett over there, and that's not set in stone yet, but... Uh, what do you make a desire because, you know, the Sabres have a new coach now and that's in the same yeah. division as the Ottawa Senators who are retooling, rebuilding. Uh, what's the DJ Smith hire in Ottawa going to be like? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, he's, uh, you know, he was managing the, the penalty kill and the defensive side of things as an assistant coach in Toronto. So, you know, he would have uh, learned under Mike Babcock uh, for the last four years and he had a pretty successful run in junior hockey as a head coach as well. Um, in, in swapping text messages with Pierre Dorian yesterday, you know, he said that uh, DJ Smith just won them over, plain and simple. Uh, they liked his presence. They love his hockey knowledge. Um, they love his passion, everything that he brings, and the fact that, you know, he's a very, very good communicator. So, um, 
You know, when you look at the, the list of the seven final candidates, I mean, for DJ Smith to get that job ahead of somebody like Patrick Watt, uh, again, he, he must have been impressive, and I believe he was in the interview process. Now, Pierre Dorian mentioned that they actually sat down and did a video session with uh, DJ Smith about different situations. Is that common for a coach to... During an, uh, for a coach to be interviewed by a general manager and sit in front of a, a, a TV and basically do a video session the Ottawa Senators, about your man, own team? They had Borowiecki interview the owner last year. I'm I mean, just anything asking. Goes up there. <laughs> uh, I, I wouldn't say it's unusual, Marty. Okay. I've heard of it before. I just don't know that it's standard operating procedure as part of you know that presentation. But uh, I do know coaches have done that or have had to go through that in the past. Do a separated at birth. You got uh, DJ Smith and Chris Penn. No questions asked. Look at the two of them. Uh, Chris Penn from best of the best, though. Um, speaking of best of the best, Phil Kessel. We're yeah. going to Minnesota. He has a no-move clause. Uh, yeah. Seems like there's a lot of talk around that potential deal. Well, I mean, he had to submit a list of eight teams that he would go to uh, a while back. Um, and Minnesota was not on that list. Uh, I don't know that the deal is dead, dead. I know that Phil Kessel is very reluctant to go to the Minnesota Wild. Otherwise, the deal would have been done by now. So because of that, uh, you know, Jim Rutherford is, is kind of shopping a similar type of deal. And, you know, I know that the teams that are on the yes list are also in communication with Rutherford and the Pittsburgh Penguins. So it, it seems highly likely that something is going to get done, but... Maybe Rutherford doesn't get the same deal or as good a deal as he was hoping to get from the Minnesota Wild. Is Jordan Eberle on the move too? Because now Brock Nelson signed a six-year deal. Anders Lee's going to have to sign. So is Eberle another guy we have to look? And would some of the teams that are looking at Kessel be also looking at Eberle? Yeah, they might. Again, anytime you're looking for secondary scoring, um, you know, names like that certainly pop up. Um, it's it's an interesting one, Jordan Eberle. I haven't heard it widespread, but there have been mutterings, and uh, there were some some uh, mutterings leading up to the February 25th trade deadline, and, and then it just seemed to, to go cold. Um, Anders Lee is, is also interesting, and he kind of fits into that Jeff Skinner category where you start to wonder, why isn't a deal getting done? And if Anders Lee were to hit the unrestricted free agent market, man, he'll, he'll get snapped up and he'll get paid because he's that good of a player. But um, Lou Lamarillo uh, goes about his business. I, I'm okay with the Brock Nelson contract. I think that that's fair for, for both sides. He had a, a pretty good year, 50-plus points. So $6 million average seems you know, uh, to, to be about right on a, on a six-year term. And now he's likely uh, trying to, to get Anders Lee done. So if he's able to get him done, then somebody's likely going to get pushed out, and it might end up being Eberle. I asked the guys, and I want to ask you about Ristolainen, and we only have a couple more minutes, but, you know, does, yeah. does the Brock Nelson contract or term uh, have anything to do with uh, Jeff Skinner or what a deal we might see? Because I would have assumed Brock Nelson's getting an eight-year deal, um, and I feel like yeah. everyone else is assuming that uh, Jeff Skinner's going to get an eight-year deal, but here's another UFA around the same age taking six years. Yeah, I mean, maybe there's some some comps there, uh, but it'll depend on whether it you know favors the player or doesn't favor the player, and a six-year term may not be what Jeff Skinner is in the market for. Um, the information that we have is that there continues to be dialogue, but when Jason Botterill gets back from the World Championship, I expect maybe even during the week of the Combine, 
that he and uh, Newport Sports will uh, communicate, and maybe they'll they'll turn up the the heat. Um, it's the same thing every week. I mean, there's a keen interest from Buffalo's perspective to get a deal done, but obviously they're not at a point where Jeff uh, Skinner is is. Uh, is ready to sign, and I don't get the sense that that's going to happen anytime soon. Does this have to do with the dollar sign, the contract length, or is just this have to do with um, wanting to know what the plan for the Sabers are moving forward in the future? Yeah, no, I think it has more to do with term and dollar than it does the future of the Buffalo Sabers. I, I'm sure that you know, again, Ralph Kruger has, has talked to Jeff Skinner, so he'd probably uh, give. Jeff Skinner a clear idea of how he sees him fitting into the long-term future of the Buffalo Sabres. And, and look, I mean, again, just revisiting the interview with, with Ralph Kruger, he said all the right things. I mean, he expects the Buffalo Sabres to turn the corner finally and, and make the playoffs. I mean, he made that clear. Well, they're going to need Jeff Skinner to, uh, to sign on, or they're going to have to replace him with somebody else. Otherwise, that's going to be a challenge when you lose a good chunk of the offense like that. Do you have any um, thoughts on what the Sabres might do with Risto? This will be the last question before we let you go back yeah. to the coffee shop. Yeah, you know what, Petey? I, you know, I think it's more media contrived. I don't get the sense in dealing with Buffalo that uh, they're keen to trade him. I, I don't. Um, it's certainly not a front, a front burner scenario at this point. But Botterill, like every other NHL general manager, has to listen on just about everyone. So, if there's interest in Ristolainen at some point during this offseason, then I think he's willing to listen. But I don't get the sense that he's shopping them at all. Who's winning the cup? Ah, I like the experience of Boston, but, man, the St. Louis Blues have got some serious mojo. And, you know, that matters. You know, that's why you can never write the recipe for a Stanley Cup championship. But that recipe, it appears the, Buffalo, or the, the, the St. Louis Blues have. So... I'm going to go with St. Louis, but I think it's going to be a grind of a series. Are you dancing to Gloria in uh, Slovakia no. in the bars in the club? You go up to the DJ, no. say, play Gloria, and you're no. dancing? No, no. I went to one club the other night in Kosice. Great Britain, two-thirds of their team was there, <laughs> and they were jumping up and down on the stage singing that chant. You know, we're the crap, yeah. and we know it. It was hilarious. Those guys are beauties. Uh, Gordon Miller and I talked to one guy who, uh, he actually starts his roofing job back in England today. It's amazing. I would love love to see Great Britain take off in the hockey world. I think it'd be absolutely incredible. They would be the toughest country. (laughs) Absolutely. They'd guzzle a case of beer and they'd go out and play. They're hilarious. Those guys had a good time, man. It would be spectacular. Dregs, you've been spectacular. Thanks for your time. Enjoy the uh, rest of the tournament, and we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, guys, have a great weekend. There is Darren Dreger. Um, Like I said, he did a sit-down with Ralph Kruger. He said it there, too. Uh, If you want to check that out, check us out on Twitter, at WGR550, and you can find it there. Um, Some NBA stuff going on, not just the Eastern Conference Finals. That was good last night. I'm rooting for the Raptors. I'm in on that, and they are up 3-2 to two after winning three in a row in the Bucks. They're a win away from playing the Warriors in the finals. Um, but a lot of free agency stuff. Sal put it this way on Twitter earlier, and I think I agree with it. The, I haven't thought too much about it, so I'm not sure, but the 2019 NBA free agent class might be 
the most talented free agent class in the history of sports. And it might be. There are elite players all over the place that are going to be on the move. And you have all-star players that are almost afterthoughts at this point just because there's so many great players ahead of them. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more because there are some rumors floating around on that front. And we'll talk about that for a few minutes before we get back into uh, some other stuff in hour number two. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi, 803-0550 if you want to get your thoughts in here on WGR. I don't think LeBron's in position to be too picky. He has been, from what I understand, he has already begun the recruiting process. Um, He is, I've heard he has had contact with Kawhi Leonard. I've heard he's had contact with Jimmy Butler. Uh, There is no tampering enforcement by players. And while Magic Johnson, the the guy who got in trouble for tampering before, is no longer there, LeBron is tamperer-in-chief of the Lakers right now. The thing about it is, is I don't know if, you know, texts and calls and maybe a dinner with LeBron is enough for the Lakers to overcome their hurdles that they're going to have. And so I just don't think the Lakers can be choosy. In fact, to be honest with you guys, I think the Lakers really have to look at the trade market. Brian Windhorse from ESPN talking about the Lakers and LeBron James recruiting some of the free agents upcoming this offseason. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, Jimmy Butler, Kyrie Irving as well. Uh, Anthony Davis still lurks out there, a potential trade for him. And uh, I mentioned it before the break, like the NBA free agency for this year is going to be crazy. I mean, there are elite players all over the place, and there are players that are almost afterthoughts um, upcoming, like a Boogie Cousins, like you might not even think of. And that was a guy that... I mean, a year ago, before he went to the Warriors, we were asking the question, is he the best center in basketball? And, you know, those are the type of guys that are becoming available. And Kevin Durant is one of those. Um, I mean, there are just, you look at the list. Kemba Walker, Klay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Al Horford, I mean, there's a there's a Jimmy Butler. I should have mentioned him right at the top. Chris Middleton, who's lighting it up for the uh, for the Bucks right now. Um, not last night. Last night he was bad, but he's playing well. There are so many good free agents and a uh, lot of uh, potential outcomes. Um, if the Warriors really get broken up, and that would probably be Durant leaving. I can't really see Thompson, but it could happen. Um, I guess. If Durant were to leave to the Knicks, to the Clippers, wherever, that the floodgates are open now where any team can win the championship. Um, or at least not ever any team, but there will be eight, nine teams at least. That it, it could be conceivable that they do it, and the Lakers would be one of them if LeBron's able to get another big star to come there to play with him. And I think he'll be able to do that. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. He's not perfect at it. Like He doesn't always get the guy he's trying to get. He tried to get Paul George to come to the Lakers with him this past season. It didn't work. But 
and Kyrie Irving wanted to leave Cleveland, wanted to leave LeBron. So there's that history there. But I, I just I could see, I could totally foresee a reunion there, and I really hope it happens because Kyrie Irving is one of my favorite basketball players. He's about the most entertaining player in the league with his dribbling and his just ability to score. Like he is super entertaining. And LeBron is arguably the best player in the world even still. You pair those two together and it's awesome. And I wish it was still happening in Cleveland because I don't really want to root for the Lakers, but I'd like to see those two play together again. So that's the, that's the one I'm hoping for. Um, the most realistic is probably that Anthony Davis ends up there, whether that be by trade right now or through free agency uh, next year. But, that's the NBA suffering a little bit because LeBron is not there, like not around. The ratings have been down for the NBA a little bit. Adam Silver, their commissioner, talked about this a little bit. Um, he contributed to a lot to LeBron leaving the East and not being in the playoffs. When you had LeBron James in the Eastern Conference playoffs, like that was must see TV. No matter who he was playing, they could be playing the Pacers in the first round. People were still watching, and now that he's on the Lakers and not even in the playoffs, like you lose that ratings draw. And you would get it back to some extent if the Lakers become relevant. And to do that, they're going to need another star. So I'm hoping, even though I don't want to root for the Lakers, like I said, I'm hoping that they end up getting uh, one of those big names. And I hope that Kevin Durant leaves so that their chances of winning a championship, like a lot of other teams, would actually become realistic. The Warriors are so interesting right now. Durant, I mean, what, what if they win the championship without him? Like, is he on the parade? Because that would be weird, wouldn't it? Everyone would know he's probably about, he's going to leave, and you didn't win it. We knew we could win without you anyway. But he'd still have to be like on that float, on that bus, no? That would be so awkward. A Warriors championship parade after winning it without Durant. Is Durant at the parade? He might not be. He, The only part of me that says they wouldn't let that happen is if he weren't at the parade, you would know 100% he's not going back there. And I'm not sure he would want that out there so early on in the offseason. But that would be so interesting. I'm, that's, that's the result I'm pulling for. I'm pulling for Durant does not play in the NBA Finals and the Warriors win anyway, which is probably likely. They'd be the favorites. They just swept Portland without Durant. They won a game without Iguodala, who's really good. And they haven't had DeMarcus Cousins, who, like I said, was at one point arguably the best center in basketball, and he's still an all-star level player. They're probably getting him back early on in the NBA Finals. So if Durant doesn't play, that would even increase their chances of winning. So I think that could, that scenario could totally happen that I'm pulling for, and I hope it does because that would be so interesting. And that's why the NBA is really growing on me, and it's growing on a lot of people as one of the big up-and-coming sports is it gives you everything you want. There's excitement game in and game out. The stars of the league always show up game in and game out. You always get that performance. Hockey, you don't always get it because, you know, you, you could, the Penguins could come to town and you might not notice Sidney Crosby. It might, it might happen. The NBA, their stars play all the time, like the whole game, rather than 20 minutes a night, a third of the game, like in hockey. There's a lot of player movement all over the place, which sucks for small markets, yeah. But as an outside fan, as a casual fan, that increases the intrigue a ton there are tons of trades and just personality you listen to guys talk they say stuff clay thompson last night or yesterday he finds out he wasn't an all pro 
which hurts his contract status. Now he can make $30 million less when he hits free agency. And he was visibly upset about that, and he voiced his frustration. NBA players not afraid to voice their frustration about the stuff. And that's always been one of the gripes I have with the NHL and hockey players. They don't give you anything ever. They're never interesting. In the NBA, there's beef all over the place. That makes it fun, not just for off-the-court stuff, but when they get on the court, because a lot of times it translates. Um, so I'm super excited, not only about the rest of the NBA playoffs, but the, uh, the offseason is going to be awesome. 803 is the phone number. Troy Aikman, next. Talk a little bit about that. Donovan McNabb, his comments. And uh, Nate Geary's gone off on this a little bit too today on Twitter. And, of course, I had that thing in uh, back in the fall. Uh, involving Troy Aikman. So we will, uh, I'll, I'll address that when we come back. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi, hour number two after this here on WGR. America! The Nightcap. Hey man! USA, baby! Woo! That's what America's all about, D. Right here, this is the USA! Relax! Oh, I'm gonna sit through Oh, you gonna throw with me? Little actor boy, you wanna go to the Patriots? Get your van. Get your van and go. Okay? Because I'll throw down. I'll throw down any day of the week. Keep your little van and drive out of my face, okay? Before I go America, all over here. Nobody can stop the USA. Yeah. But that's not I am talking about freedom. About choice. America, I don't think you need to worry. Because if you wanna beat China, you will. If you don't, that's fine. That, my friend, is your victory. Who do you play for? Play for the United States of America. On WGR Sports Radio 550. The most patriotic open you'll find here on the station. Memorial Day weekend. It's almost like a preview of uh, 4th of July, in a way. Barbecuing, finding a body of water, and just grabbing a beer and just hanging out by it. That's all you need. Maybe a boat, nice fire, summer. I'm waiting for it still. Rain, it's been cold half the days. Um, so we're, 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 we're chugging along, but Memorial Day, I'm hoping this is the, uh, the beginning of summer as it normally is, uh, summer activities and such. Uh, it's the nightcap hour number two here on WGR, the, uh, PGA championship, senior PGA championship is going on down at, uh, Oak Hill in Rochester, down actually up at Oak Hill at Rochester and Brian Colesio's down there. They're going to have a full uh, are they going to have a two-hour tee to green show tomorrow at 7 o'clock? 7 o'clock in the morning. Uh, so t- tune in for that. Jeff Medis, Brian Koziol, um down at Oak Hill, and uh, tune in for that. Brian's going to be joining me at 8.20 to talk a little bit about the senior PGA and a little recap of the PGA Championship uh, last week. So we'll talk to Brian in about 15 minutes. Uh, quickly, I do want to address... The Troy Aikman stuff today because a lot of people tweeting me about it and I got to get in on it. I got to get in on it. I had my thing with Aikman. He had his lame tweet, his lame response to me basically pointing out that Ryan Fitzpatrick, career backup. Can I say career backup actually? Career fringe starter slash backup. 
That guy, seventh round pick, Harvard, Bills, Jets, Dolphins, the whole AFC except New England. Um, essentially, every place he goes, starts as the backup, works his way up. He has more touchdown passes in his career by a pretty wide margin and in a lot less games than Troy Aikman does. Era, I hear that um, all the time. I hear, oh, it was the era. And that you can't compare a quarterback in 2018. Of course he has more. They throw the ball more. <sighs> well, here's the thing. Really, when you do boil it down and you look at Troy Aikman, and, the, and the, this grew today because Donovan McNabb, former Eagles quarterback, when asked if he should be in the Hall of Fame, said yes. And his reason for why he should be in the Hall of Fame is, look at Troy Aikman. My numbers are better. And he's right. They're actually a lot better. But just because one guy who probably shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame and Troy Aikman is in the Hall of Fame doesn't mean I think you should be able to use him as an example of why you should be in yourself. Aikman has less touchdown passes than a lot of guys that played in the same era as him and guys that are not even particularly great. Uh, John Kitna, Brad Johnson. Those Do I need to even go further than those two? But I will. Steve Grogan. Craig Morton, Rich Gannon. These are not Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Joe Ferguson, Ken Anderson, Phil Sims, Kerry Collins, Matt Hasselbeck. I mean, Joe Flacco has doubled you up almost, at least on the ranking. Um, it's not all about stats, I know, but it also should not only be about wins and your team's success because a lot of great teams can carry an average to below average quarterback. And I'm not saying Aikman was average to below average. I just don't think he was near Hall of Fame level. That team was so good. They had elite talent all over the roster. It probably was not very hard to play quarterback on that team. You weren't asked to do nearly as much. And just because you were a part of Super Bowl teams should not qualify you for the Hall of Fame. You should be able to, to you should be the driver of why you're doing that. And was he that? Because a lot of people seem to think that he wasn't. And I'm going to kind of have this same thought process when Eli Manning ultimately gets in, which he probably is going to. And I hope that we get to a point where the Troy Aikmans and the Eli Mannings of the world do not make it to the Hall of Fame. You have to be more than just be a part of of a great team. You have to be the reason that team was great. And I'm not so sure that we can know that those two players were that. Because Eli Manning, when he's never had, when he hasn't had a great defense, hasn't even been a quarterback to get his team to the playoffs. And I just can't ever think of a year or a time, talking about Eli now for a second, where he was ever... One of the elite quarterbacks of the league. One of the great quarterbacks of the league. When was he ever top 10? When was he ever in the conversation for, hey, MVP? Ever? Hell, Matt Ryan had that season. But because his defenses and his running game helped him along to get to Super Bowls, and then he made some great passes, no doubt. All-time passes. But all-time moments does not mean all-time career. And that's what we should be talking about when we're giving guys gold jackets. And that's why I have no respect for how 
the Hall of Fames of sports select their players. There are way too many players in the Hall of Fame, and the bar is so low. It is set so low. It should be reserved for the best of the best. And I always hate to use Andre Reid for this, but he's always the, th- the guy I have in my mind. I'll use Chris Carter, I guess. Chris Carter was a very good receiver. He is Jerry Rice should have some sort of accolade a lot greater than the G- the Chris Carters and the Andre Reeds all do res- like do respect to those guys. But Jerry Rice is on another level. And if you're not going to give another level, you're not going to have a Super Hall of Fame, are you? There's got to be something. And that's why I don't like how many players get in. And I know you can't do it. You could do it. You just don't want to offend people. But I think you go into the Hall of Fame, someone's got to come out. We're going to reserve this hall for the 100 best players in in this sport. And guess what? Someone's going in, someone's coming out. You can have meetings, you can have panels, you can do whatever you want with it. But the way it is now, you are depleting, you are diminishing, and you are diluting what it means to be a Hall of Famer when everybody's getting in. And that includes quarterbacks like Troy Aikman and Eli Manning, who basically are in because they were a part of great teams. Not completely, but you put them on any other team and they're not Hall of Fame quarterbacks. If you put Peyton Manning on any other team, he's still a Hall of Famer. If you put Tom Brady on any other team, he's probably still a Hall of Famer. John Elway, still a Hall of Famer. And there's a difference between those guys and the guys that I'm talking about here. All right. Let's uh, transition now to Mike Florio. So if you didn't listen to the morning show today, Mike Florio was on with them. The AFC East has become a very interesting division. Not really for first, obviously. New England, we know. They exist. Um, And Brady still exists. And until they don't, we're going to have to keep chugging along thinking they're going to be winning it. Uh, Second place, though, is interesting because the Bills and Jets are kind of in the same boat. They have young second-year quarterbacks, and both teams have reason to be optimistic. They both added in free agency. And then you've got the Dolphins down at the bottom, who are probably tanking and are probably looking for a quarterback in 2020 unless Josh Rosen is able to uh, take the bull by the horns and really look like a franchise quarterback. Mike Florio joined the guys this morning to talk about both of those things, the division as a whole, because it's a very interesting one, and some other stuff around the NFL. Here is Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk with Howard and Jeremy earlier today on WGR. On the topic of football, we are going to the Western Hotline, and we're going to be uh, chatting uh, with Mike Florio from ProFootballTalk.com, who's with us right now. Mike, it's Howard, and, and Jeremy, does anybody oversee your Instagram posts? <laughs> No, well, they should, but no. Okay. Maybe I need to run mine by Adam Gase, too. Yeah. I'd be in a lot better shape if I did. Far be it for us to throw stones in a glass house, but the Jets franchise has got to be one of the, over time, right, Mike, has got to be one of the more confusing franchises in the NFL. Well, and it all starts at the top, and this is one of the things that fascinates me about the NFL. All the money that is spent, all the resources devoted, all the time expended to craft a football operation with coaches and scouts and general managers and assistants and sports science and analytics. But you still have owners that are going to do whatever the hell they want to do. And the owners screw things up more than anybody. And the biggest problem with the Jets in recent years, you've got people with different agendas. You've got, you know, you fire the GM and you keep the coach. You fire the coach, you keep the GM, you fire both. And, you know, they could really screw this one up if they bring in somebody that just doesn't want Adam Gase. and. you got the next year or two with that new general manager 
trying to get uh, you know the, the foundation laid to hire his own coach because every general manager walks to the door with a list in his front pocket of guys he wants to hire as a head coach, and job number one usually is getting himself in position to hire that coach. I did want to run some of the rule stuff by you, but I'm glad we have you on today, Mike, because one of the things we're talking about is the Bills. And the Bills have been getting noticed in the offseason and been, you know, hey, Brandon Bean, look at the job he's doing. And I think some of that is sheer volume of signings will affect people that way. But the, the Bills seem to be getting a little bit of love in terms of what potential they might have in 2019. And we're talking about whether they're too trendy. So give me your thoughts on the Bills, the pickups, and where you see them going in 2019. Well, I mean, they're going to go as far as their young quarterback can take them. And we saw enough from Josh Allen last year that there's reason for optimism. The, the, the throwing, the running that surprised a lot of people when he burst onto the scene week three with that upset win over the Vikings, diving for the pylon, hurdling Anthony Barr. And, and I think there's just there's, there's potential there. And I think it comes down to between the Bills and the Jets, which of those two teams really does have a chance to challenge the New England Patriots. Maybe not this year for the division title. But I feel like one of those two teams, once it's time to play the games and we get past all this stuff, because you can say what you want about the Jets, but they've got some pretty good football players, and there's a chance that they're going to be the team that emerges as the second-best team in the AFC East. But I think one of those two teams between the Bills and the Jets is going to be in position to get a wild-card berth. And I think very systematically the Bills have been improving the team. And, uh, yes, I feel like last year was all, you know that deliberate we're taking a step back in the hopes of taking multiple steps forward. And that sounds cliche, but, but there is some validity to it. You know, you move on from Tyrod Taylor, you roll the dice on Josh Allen, and he could be end, up, uh, end up being a far better quarterback than Tyrod Taylor ever was, and the team ends up being a year-in and year-out contender. And that's what you want, a franchise quarterback that makes you a team that contends every year. You want to be on the front porch knocking on the door every year. The more years you're knocking on the door – Sooner or later, you're going to kick it in. You mentioned, you know, the Jets and the wild card. Sure. I mean, we, as you might suspect, Mike, for 20 years in this city and probably in New York and Miami, you pretty much talk about the wild card. Nobody brings the division title up for discussion. Um, but when you look around the AFC, who else? Let's say the Bills can beat out the Jets. Let's say they finish second in the division and they're in that wild card mix. Who are the main combatants in that, that picture with them? Well, that's the thing. There's going to be a lot of teams that aren't in first place in their division that are going to be vying for that other wild card berth if one goes to the second place team in the AFC East. You've got the, the, everybody's crowning the Browns, which yep. I think is a mistake. Hmm. It's premature in Cleveland, but the Steelers are going to be saltier than usual as they try to refocus and possibly even save Mike Tomlin's job if he's in any kind of real trouble after the dysfunction there the past couple of years. The Ravens are going to be a team that is overlooked, but they're the defending division champions. In the AFC South, top to bottom, that division is uh, much better than it was. They were the laughing stock not that long ago. Now they are solid. And and in the AFC West, the Chiefs are the best team right now. The Chargers uh, almost took that title from them last year. And, and who knows what's going to happen with the Raiders and the Broncos. The AFC is very, very wide open this year. And it, it could be that second place in the AFC East isn't good enough to get a wild card first. Do you think, it's funny, I want to ask you about Kansas City, uh, but I did have the Browns as my next question for you. And you mentioned, people getting, you think people are getting too carried away? I'm, I'm all in on the hype with them, too, with Mayfield. I mean, he was clearly the best of the, the class of 2018 quarterbacks last year. Then they go out and add Odell Beckham. And you, I think there's a belief that the Steelers are coming back a little bit after Antonio Brown left. Why do you think uh, it's pumped the brakes on the Browns? Tremendous pressure on new coach Freddie Kitchens, who a year ago would have been on no one short list to be an NFL head coach. Right place at the right time, 
made the most out of his opportunity to run the offense with Baker Mayfield, won games that no one expected the Browns to win. It's different to win games you're not expected to win. It's, it's, it's a different thing altogether to lose games you're expected to win. And, you know, last year they started 2-4-1. and one. Hey, that's great. We won two more games. Than, we won one more game than we did in the two prior seasons before this. If they start 2-4-1 this year, it's going to be time to press the panic button. Sure. And I look at their, their first two games. They got Tennessee coming into Cleveland. Everybody's going to assume the Browns are going to win by third. The, the Titans are not a bad team, and they're going to be upset, and they're going to be feeling like a team that's being overlooked. And you get Derrick Henry unleashed on that Browns defense, and maybe they could hey, what if the, what if the Browns would lose at home to start the season? What if they would lose on the following Monday night to the Jets? There's going to be a lot of pressure on Freddie Kitchens and that organization to deliver right away. And I'll, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it happen. But we've seen teams get hyped before, and then once we start playing the games, it's like, oh, boy, we were wrong about them. Okay, what about Kansas City? Can you say any of that about the Chiefs, who are so close to going to the Super Bowl, and we know what's happened in terms of weapons they've lost because of off-field issues. What about Kansas City and the pressure on them? Well, here's the challenge. You've got defensive coordinators that had the benefit of an entire offseason to come up with ways to try to slow down Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes just yesterday was talking about how he needs to learn to be more patient. He needs to learn when to check down and take what's available underneath instead of trying to make something happen down the field. And I think you will see more defenses drop players deep, try to take away that big spectacular play and force Patrick Mahomes to take what they give him and, and hope that he eventually gets frustrated and throws a ball that maybe he shouldn't throw. But anytime there's a, a, a big phenomenon in the NFL, offensively, defenses become determined to come up with ways to counter it. And this may be the toughest year from a challenge standpoint for Patrick Mahomes. Can he surpass, can he overcome whatever these defenses are going to figure out that they can try to do to him based upon 16 games of film that were generated last year in his first season as a starter. Mike Florio with us from Pro Football Talk. You've spent a lot of time at your website uh, writing about the pass interference, rules change, the challenge, the tweak that might be coming after this week's meetings. Where do you stand on the idea of bringing this in first and foremost after what happened with the Rams and the Saints? Well, I don't like it. I think that they, they have come up with a solution that goes far broader than it needed to. All they needed to do was adopt the video official, Sky Judge, an eighth member of the crew who has the, the, the benefit of every camera angle that we see at home. Because I think the biggest challenge right now for officiating in the NFL, and really any sport, bridging the gap between what the officials who are on the field see and what we who are judging them for being right or wrong with their calls see. So if you have somebody who is an actual full-fledged member of the officiating crew who is sitting in a booth in real-time communication with the referee, able to say, pick up that flag or throw a flag or that wasn't a fumble, all is part of the call on the field. Replay review would still exist separate from that. This is just a member of the officiating crew who just happens to not be on the field. That's the easy way to fix this, by first making pass interference subject to replay review generally and then realizing, hmm. oh, crap, we went too far. There's going to be all sorts of unintended consequences from this. So now they're going to carve it back. It's going to become a mess. And this idea of turning off replay review altogether for Hail Mary plays, whatever they decide is the limit of a Hail Mary play, you're going to have coaches like Bill Belichick who are devising ways to make sure they get the ball in position or they come up with a play that allows replay review to be turned on 
for that last gasp to grow. So you can throw the challenge flag if you have one left and hope you get lucky with 345 Park Avenue. I just don't think we want that kind of strategy grafted onto the the, the, the game as it's currently played. I don't want to worry about whether or not that offense on the final drive. Oh, they've got to get inside the 40. So replay reviews available for that Hail Mary pass that's coming. So they run a quick out with 10 seconds left to move the ball from the 40 to the 39. So when they throw the ball to the end zone, they, they can rely on replay review. I, I don't want that. They yeah. It complicates unnecessarily the final two minutes of the game, all because they overreacted to what happened with the Rams and the Saints outcome. Yeah, we were talking about the Hail Mary the other day. Like, what is it? Is it the final play? Could it be, could it be two plays? Is it, you know, well, when you've got all your receivers on one side of the field in the end zone, is it outside the 20, the 30, the 40? I mean, it just, there's so many things that you would have to determine what would constitute, quote, a Hail Mary play. Is it only the final play? And you're exactly right. And whatever that definition is, they'll try to come up with an objective definition that is easy to spot because you have to be able to spot it. You have to know when it's on and when it's off. You will have smart coaches who will find a way to fit within it. That's I don't want to see, hey, there's 10 seconds left and the Patriots have the ball on the 40-yard line. What are they going to do? Oh, they're going to run the ball to the outside and get out of bounds at the 39 so they can throw a Hail Mary that's yeah. subject to replay review. I don't want that in the final minutes of a game. I don't think anybody does. Mike, thank you. You're always busy at your site. The, the, the football news is always going on. Well, maybe at least for a few more weeks anyway. Uh, but thank you for coming on and giving us some time this morning. Hey, it never stops, man. <laughs> Every day there's something. So I appreciate talking to you guys. Have a great weekend. You too. Thank you very much. Mike Florio with Howard and Jeremy. We'll take a time out here, get your football fix there, and we'll talk some golf when we come back. Brian Koziel is going to join me here on the Western Hotline when we come back. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi here on WGR. All right, welcome back. It's the Nightcap. Jody Biasi here on WGR. Got about another half hour here before we get you into Memorial Day weekend. It's pretty much Memorial Day weekend anyway. It's 8.30 Friday. A lot of people are off today anyway. Joining me now on the Wester Hotline, Brian Koziel, who Brian, you're at Oak Hill, right? Yep, who uh, just took, I took in a lot of round two today and uh, coming back. To the course early tomorrow morning for our show. We got two hours tomorrow morning. Seven to nine. T- excuse me. Try that again. Seven to nine. T to green tomorrow. Um, we'll get into. I'll t- ask you a couple questions about the senior PGA in a second here, which is why you're down there in the first place. Um, I did want to talk to you today about, or I wanted to talk to you this week, and I had forgotten to get to it until today. Um, kind of recapping the PGA because. It felt like I didn't get to the point that I'm like, oh yeah, there's a major on and like. Thursday, Friday, I'm sitting in here, and I have it on, so I have it on there. But as Saturday's progressing, as Sunday's progressing, it didn't really strike me like, oh, there's a golf major until Kepka and jo- Don- and Dustin Johnson were kind of already going on Sunday. Did you did you feel like it was a major to you, or was it still taking some getting used to for the PGA last week? Yeah, I think I think it's going to take a few years for us to get used to that, where it's going to fall in May. I think ultimately it's probably a good thing for that specific tournament. Um, the PGA, in, in, in terms of its coverage, its hype, just casual sports fans watching it, I think it usually was kind of in the, in the fourth spot of the four majors because it fell kind of in that early to mid-August range when NFL preseason is just starting up. 
And if you're in an NFL city like we are in Buffalo and you know Western New York, then the bill like the Bills' first preseason game usually like right around then, so it usually got a little less attention. Um, so I think it's a good spot for it, and, and you know I think this. I've always argued that I think this tournament is underappreciated amongst the majors. I think they always set up the course amazingly. I think it lends itself to good finishes. What I think it's the perfect amount of like difficulty challenge but also you know rewarding good shots sometimes we don't say that about the u.s open um Mm -hmm. so i i feel like this tournament's elevating itself i think moving it to may i think once people get used to it being there i think uh i think it'll be a home run and for the golf calendar now i you know this is something i i think if you look at it beyond just the pga championship now you've got one major in every month if you are really into golf in March, when you're itching maybe for winter to end here in Buffalo, like the Players Championship, there uh, is in March at Sawgrass, mm. and that's a well-known course and the biggest biggest tournament. That's not a major, and then of course the Masters in, August, or in April, then the PGA slides in in May, and then you got the U.S. Open in, in June, and then now the British in July, and they get the playoffs done all uh, before Labor Day weekend, which is ultimately what the big goal of the shift in the calendar was for the golf season was because they wanted to get the, the playoffs done before NFL started because gotcha. even for golf nuts like me, uh, when, when they're in like the third out of the fourth week of the playoffs up against week one of the NFL, I'm still watching NFL and I'm a golf nut. So I would imagine that's probably what most people would be doing at that point. So Brooks Kepka hung on and he's now won the last two PGAs as well as the last two U S opens. And the whole time his final round was going on, not the whole time, but like once he started the struggle, I think he hit four bogeys in a row uh, early on the back nine. That whole time I was thinking about a conversation that you and uh, Mike had on the afternoon show. Like, would you take Kepka or would you take would you take the field? And it was funny, like up until Kepka on the back nine, it felt like that entire tournament. And maybe this is why it didn't really feel it didn't really register to me because there wasn't a lot of drama until that back nine. But like, how surprising was that, that a guy like Kepka who had just been rock solid all week, like he nearly blew it like right there at the end. I was, I was surprised. And when Mike asked me that question, I was ready to take Kepka uh, over the field just because he in the last three years has showed no signs ever of cracking under the pressure. It's one of the things about him that, I feel like maybe is you know why he's playing so well is that he doesn't seem to let the pressure bother him. He actually seems to like go into these majors relax. Where all uh, a lot of these other golfers go in with extra hype and extra prep and extra you know like worry and d- details. He just kind of goes in like yeah. And one of his quotes is like yeah. I think you know half these guys are just going to shoot themselves out of it because it's a major and they can't handle it. And you know he's like this is why I think the majors are easier to win. And I was like whoa you know that attitude seems to be something that maybe is kind of working for him but uh there was just yeah those those early holes on the back nine he showed maybe like could he be succumbing to pressure and then he said when the crowd was chanting dj you know for D, for dustin johnson at a hole that kepka was playing on dj's not even in his group he's like oh that kind of got me refocused and re-motivated saying hey i gotta get myself together here um which again you know another uh, another kind of weird angle and kind of way that he's looking at things. And it, it's, it's an amazing span that he's done, as you said, I mean, to win four majors in the span of, of two calendar years. I mean, that's, that's probably 
nothing like we've seen other than what Tiger Woods did back in right. the Right. It, it's almost like a duller version of the dominance we kind of saw um, from Tiger because obviously he doesn't have the same type of character. I, I'm think I'm wondering about that because like, we've done this song and dance before. Like How many times since Tiger's dominance kind of ended have we said, oh, this is the next Tiger. Oh, no, wait, this is the next Tiger. Like I, feel, I think about McElroy for that. I think about Spieth for that. And part of that was those guys – kind of did what Kepka has done here. They won multiple majors in a short amount of time. So I guess like how what what do you think the odds are that Kepka is and I'm not expecting him. I don't even think it's going to be super hard for anybody ever again to do what Tiger did. But like what are the odds he's different than even like what Spieth and McIlroy have been, which is guys that won a bunch of majors in a short amount of time and then kind of went away or not didn't go away, but just kind of had a dry spell after that. Yeah, I mean the odds would say that it's He'll, he'll have a cold span because, I mean, do I think Brooks Kepka is any more talented than Rory McIlroy? No. Jordan Spieth, I feel like, sometimes maximizes everything that he's got. I mean, he's, he doesn't hit it as long as Spieth and Kepka do, do, um, do. And I don't know. He's, he, I don't know if pure golf skill, maybe he has as good of a swing as McIlroy and Kepka do. But to answer your question, I just I don't see it. And I think... Every time we get to one of these things, we're very quick to say, oh, this could be the next Tiger, this could be the next Tiger, right. and generally it doesn't happen. So because it didn't happen with Rory and because he cooled down and because it didn't happen with Spieth and he cooled down, my, my answer is yes, I think he'll cool down here. But um, at the moment, it feels like he can do it because of his attitude and because of the fact that he is overpowering golf courses like Tiger did. I mean, if you, everybody remembers after Tiger went on the run like Kepka's doing, they started Tiger, they said Tiger-proofing courses. They were lengthening it and making it more challenging. And uh, Kepka just totally dominated a course that is known for how challenging and how long it is, and he overpowered it. But one thing I think about Kepka is that the misconception is he, yes, he has arms like as big as a truck, and he hits it a, a mile, but that's not the sole reason I think he's winning. His short game is incredibly underrated, and he seems to make pressure putts all the time. Right. I hope the trend isn't that, oh, to win and to be a great golfer, you know, you've got you've to be 6'7 and jacked like a linebacker. Like, I hope that's not the trend because I think that that's maybe what people perceive, that that's what Kepka's about. I think he's a really complete player. He's, he's got all facets of the game. Brian Koziel's on the Wester Hotline. Tee to green tomorrow from 7 to 9 a.m. Tune in for that. They'll be live at Oak Hill at the Senior PGA Championship. Um, speaking of Spieth, like, what am, what am I supposed to think of him at this point? Because I heard about – I didn't really watch a lot of the tournaments early in the season that weren't majors, even though I am in this fantasy league now. So I guess I will say I've watched more than ever, but still not a lot. Like, I've heard a lot about him struggling, and he kind of wasn't, like, up at the top of leaderboards, but he played, he played really well at Bethpage. I mean, he was one of, what, six golfers that finished under par? So, like, what am I supposed to think of him going forward here? I think you can think that maybe in bigger tournaments that he'll be a factor. He's been very inconsistent, though, over the last calendar year on the PGA Tour. So, I don't know how much faith I would have in him on a week-to-week basis, but... He knows how to handle the pressure. He obviously has won multiple majors. So I, I don't think that it should, we should be surprised if all of a sudden at the U.S. Open in two weeks or three weeks when it is, uh, if he's in contention at the U.S. Open. Again, he'll be playing at Pebble Beach, not a course that's super, super long. 
So I, he doesn't have to necessarily uh, – he can kind of go to some of his strengths. So I, I wouldn't be surprised, but he's been up and down. He's been asked about a slump. And, you know, as you said, he just finished very, very well on a very, very tough course. So I bet you we'll just see more inconsistency from him. But I think you'll see him have his hot weeks where he is giving himself an opportunity to win. We'll get get to the senior PGA in just a second. Is there a guy that, from what you've seen, like through May, that it's yet to win a major that you kind of see is like on the verge and maybe has a good chance to do it the rest of the year, maybe at the U.S. Open or the British? Is there a guy? Um... I'm hoping, for my sake, because like I said, I'm in this fantasy league, I'm hoping you say Patrick Cantley. Yeah, I, Cantley could be that guy. I think Xander Shoffley might be my answer ahead of Patrick Cantley. Yeah, that's, um, that's a good one. John Rahm might be in that discussion. Who's due to win one is a different answer than maybe who likely will. I think. Well, that'd be Fowler, right? Yeah, like. That'd be Fowler. That is Fowler is like, okay, he's been good for so many years. He's now, you know, reached to the age where he's ready. He's performed in pressure situations. He's won the Players' Championship. He's been good at Ryder Cups. Like, he's ready to get that, and he he deserves to have one by now with what he's done uh, with his contributions to the game of golf. Uh, But to answer your question, I feel like a guy like Xander Shoffley, who's kind of come on lately, he was Rookie of the Year two years ago. He was in a chance to win the British last year. I like his mentality. He also seems to not succumb to the pressure at all. I'd put him, I'd put Cantlay, John Rahm, I think I'd put in that mix. Maybe those three would be uh, the next guy that if they win a major this year, it wouldn't be a surprise. And maybe, you know, who's been good in majors is Tony Finau. He's been good, too. Yes. So I'd, I'd throw him in the mix. He's, uh, the, the turn, what's the turn, the, um, oh, the Charles Schwab, whatever's going on right now, he yeah. was leading today when I looked up earlier. Yeah, he's had a good week so far in, in the tournament this week at Colonial. So, yeah, yeah. that's a guy, too, and he hits it far. Right. Likeable guy. Players like him a lot, and remember he was on. He was a captain's pick last year on the Ryder Cup. Right, performed pretty well. So, about that. yeah, I'd throw him into that mix too. Okay, so for those that are thinking about coming up, maybe checking out the Senior PGA Championship at Oak Hill, uh, like recognizable names. Like, what's the leaderboard look like? I know I saw Retief Goosen up there. Now I think about him from my childhood, only knowing him. I know he like he was a he was a good PGA Tour golfer, but I only know him because I know of him as the guy who got struck by lightning. But like, what what are what are we looking at like leaderboard wise here? Yeah, there's there's actually it's it's playing hard. There's only four golfers under par, um, and Goosen among uh, is amongst the four is the most recognizable name. He's two back of the lead. Uh, there's two guys tied for the lead right now with three under par. Esteban Toledo, just run of the mill PG uh, senior PGA guy, and Paul Broadhurst, probably the same description. The only reason Broadhurst maybe is a little more recognizable. Uh, for those that watch senior golf, is that he won the senior PGA last year, so he's defending his championship. Uh, but Goosen, who's two back, he's at minus one, uh, definitely the most recognizable names of the guys. Uh, other guys that you definitely would recognize, uh, Steve Stricker, I saw quite a bit today, actually. If, if anybody's interested and wanted to see some of those recognizable names, I tweeted out about 10 videos or pictures today of guys as I was walking around the course. Got a couple of great shots from Stricker. Uh, he's playing mostly now PGA uh, Senior Tour events. Uh, Rocco Mediate I got a good shot from. Oh, Rocco Mediate. Yep, he was a super fan favorite. They're all chanting Rocco, Rocco. Uh, it was weird today. I saw two guys that are most known for their epic duels with Tiger, ultimately where they didn't win. <laughs> uh, Bob May is playing very well. He shot, he's shot mm-hmm. 171. He's in contention. He's only two over. 
Bob May, of course, most known for the 2000 PGA Championship when he and Tiger dueled in the playoffs. And then I saw Rocco today, who, of course, had that epic duel at the 08 Open with Tiger Woods at right. Pines. Um, Bernhard Longer's in the event. Colin Montgomery is in the event. Uh, John Daly was in the event, won't be playing the weekend. Oh. Struggled mightily. Um, he did not. <laughs> was he in a cart? Today. He was in the cart. All right. Do you still have the McDonald's cup and the cigar, like the whole get up? It looked like he had stuff in there. I okay. get close enough to see him, but he had it on his. It looked like pants that had flames coming out of him, right. like in terms of the design. Um, yeah, he cool. uh, he he just kind of looked miserable throughout. Really, <laughs> he was plus twelve when I saw him, and he knew he wasn't playing the weekend. Mm-hmm. He, when he came up to eighteen, he was way short on his on his uh, approach. Came up to it looked mad that he had to walk up the hill. There's a little hill walking up to 18. Because he was short, he had to walk up the hill. I think he was mad because he's thinking, oh, i, I got to walk now up the hill. <laughs> he walks like he's in pain. He looks miserable walking. But didn't even take a practice shot and then chunked one. And it went over the green. Then went behind the green. Didn't take a practice swing. Did it, did it again almost, but then uh, ended up getting up and down. He kind of wow. just got out of there. <laughs> wow, that would have been a sight to see. He kind of just seemed like he had enough. But, the, yeah, there's some cool. good recognizable names. Jeff Sluman from Rochester was with Daly. That was definitely the biggest uh, gallery this morning uh, when I was walking around. But, uh, yeah, I saw Colin Montgomery, saw, saw Bernhard Longer. Rock, Steve Stricker. Saw Stricker, Tom Lehman, Corey Pavin. So, I mean, there's a, you know, I mean, if you've, if you've watched golf for yeah. more than a decade or so, then there's a lot of names uh, that you would recognize, and the majority of them, other than maybe Daly and Sluman, are going to be playing on the weekend. If people are going tomorrow, just one note, you're going to have to wake up early. Perfect, by the way. You can listen to Tee to Green on your drive to Rochester on the thruway if you're listening in the Buffalo area. They've moved up tea times because they expect to have bad weather like late afternoon. So most of the tea times are going to be between 7 a.m. and 9.15 a.m., the leaders will go off, obviously, around 9.15. And they're going front and back because they want to get everything in because they're expecting, like, late afternoon thunderstorms. So if you're going to Oak Hill tomorrow, you may want to go a little earlier than maybe what you originally had planned. Um, Brian, last one. What What is the – this is a precursor to what I'm about to ask. What's the age limit for – like, What's the? is there an age minimum for the senior tour? Is it 50? It's 50 and up, yeah. Okay. Do you think, like – what? And this is a this is way in the future, not way way in the future, but it's it's pretty good in the future. Are we like when Tiger Woods is a fifty year old man, like is he going to be playing on the senior tour? Do you think because of the back injuries and all of that that he's just not going to do it? I'm thinking about like all these golfers that I'm watching today on there. I'm like I watched these guys play against Tiger Woods like 10, 15 years ago, and I'm thinking about Tiger and like how every time he's out there in any tournament and he's in contention, we are all fixated on it. So, if he like I'm thinking about if he were to do that, the, the senior PGA, like I feel like I would care as much about that as the PGA Tour sometimes if he was on it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's what? I think he's 43 now, so Yeah, seven, so seven years away. Yeah, Mickelson is 48. Now, hmm. Mickelson, because of how he's got a kind of a different swing, he doesn't really put a lot of pressure on a lot of his joints and his back and everything. I could see him, him playing on the PGA Tour, maybe not a regular schedule, but an abbreviated PGA Tour schedule for like another decade. I mean, look at there's weeks where Mickelson's in contention to win. Right. So, um, you know, but technically in two years, Mickelson could be playing 
in this event. Uh, Vijay Singh actually has had a good good start to his. He, I should have mentioned him as well. I saw him today. Uh, another guy that's gone against Tiger. But yeah, there's a whole bunch of guys kind of that in the in the next maybe seven to ten years that could be playing on this senior tour. I, th- I think it'll just be. I think it'll just keep getting better and better because as the as the fields get deeper and deeper on the PGA Tour, we're starting to recognize more names. So I think you'll start to recognize more and more names on the senior PGA Tour. And you know, as long as there's big purses of money to be won, which there are, <laughs> because guys show up, you know, they're going to keep having these tournaments. So I, I will Tiger play. I don't know. Does he have to? No. I mean, he's obviously, what else can he add to his career right. on the senior side that maybe he already hasn't done already? I don't know. That's a good question. If his body will allow him that he'll want to play on the senior, senior tour events, I don't know. That's, that's a good question. We've got seven years, obviously, to see if it happens. Maybe he can ride in the cart with John Daly. That's right. That could happen. Uh, all right, Brian, uh, and you can... I bet you Tiger would never let him... <laughs> he would not play. Really? He would never want to be that guy. <laughs> he sounded pretty annoyed. I, I listened to him last week when he got a question about Daly using the cart, and he seemed pretty uh, pretty annoyed by it. Yeah, I think there's a lot of golfers that say, look at part of part of the 18-hole grind and part of the 72-hole over four days is that you walk the course. I think, I think golfers, especially now, especially guys like Tiger that care about these things, they want to be known as athletes. They do not want to make it look like they're not. And I think when you see, you know, is, is Daly, who knows if he's, you know, some, some of these guys, I, even today, I'm wa- watching Daly, and, you know, guys are laughing because he's in the card, and they got, he's got the, you know, the cigarette going and all that. And it's like, you know, you want to say genuinely, okay, he's got a medical thing. Obviously, a doctor approved this thing. So, I, you know, you, but there's right. definitely fans that are like, oh, he's just doing it because he's got the card. He's, right. He's, you know, I mean, it's just that whole mentality. So I, I, I think probably this new wave of golfers, including Tiger, who obviously cares about fitness and being an athlete and all that, I'm, they probably look down on that tremendously, right. I'm sure. You can listen to Brian tomorrow for a two-hour edition of Tee to Green, 7 to 9 a.m. right here on WGR, live from Oak Hill in uh, Rochester at the PGA Championship. Brian, thanks, and enjoy uh, Memorial Day weekend. Thanks, Joe. You too. Thanks. There's Brian Koziel on the West Her Hotline. We'll take a time out here. Last call in the nightcap is next. 803-0550 is the phone number. If you want to get anything we've talked about tonight, Jeff Skinner, uh, <laughs> Troy Aikman, um, even golf if you want to do it there. It's the nightcap with Jody Biasi here on WGR. Last call on the nightcap for the weekend, Memorial Day weekend. As we head in, one of the best holidays of the year, if not the best. Tune in tomorrow. I'm going to be joining Nate Geary in studio all day. All show, at least, 11 to 3, 11 to 2. Um, we'll talk a lot of football tomorrow. Connor Rogers from Bleacher Report is going to talk to us tomorrow. Um, we'll get into some bills, me and Nate Geary, tomorrow. So tune in for Sports Talk Saturday. Uh, T to Green tomorrow from 7 to 9, two-hour edition. We just had Brian on. If you want to check that out, it'll be on demand at WGR550.com shortly. And uh, that's going to do it for me. So everybody, enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. Find a body of water, get a chair, and just chill. Nothing better. It's the Nightcap, Jody Biasi. Thanks for listening. I'll be back with you tomorrow at 11 a.m. here on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one. 
They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 